are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Thursday, everyone. Thanks for keeping a Locked On Wildcats. Well, you know what? I was wrong. I think to a certain extent, Sean Schuster was wrong. Maybe as well. more than a certain extent. You mean the guy who predicted the win in Game yeah. Six, well, or rather in Game Five and in uh, Game even Six, after was wrong. It was tied though, uh-huh. and I'll be honest. After it was three to two, I still thought the Phoenix Suns were the better team. I came away after Game Six saying, you know what, I was wrong. The Milwaukee Bucks are a better team than the Phoenix Suns. Not that that's a put down to the Suns, but the Milwaukee Bucks are better. See, I well. Let, let me ask you this, and then we'll back up a little bit. Personal question. You love your lists. You love your rankings. You love all of that. I do. As a sports fan, where does this one rank in disappointment and frustration? Because you're uh, fairly yeah. significant Suns yeah, fan. Yeah, for sure. This, it, this, right? is, this, is, this is probably the most depth. This is probably—no, nah, I'm not going to lie— the uh, the the San Antonio Spurs uh, Phoenix Suns one was still harder for me, and here's why: because I thought the Suns were, and this wasn't a projection. I thought the Suns had better players than the Spurs, and I thought they were absolutely. And if if they get through there, they they would they would have swept the Cats. Right. I thought that was the best teams team in Suns history, right there. So you remember that series? Okay, you're old enough to remember that series and remember it well. It was 15 oh, I mean, years ago. I was I, 20 at the yeah, time. Fair so. enough. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. I, mean, I wasn't right. 10. So, <laughs> yes. Sometimes now, I think you're still, right, you know, right, 17. Sure. Right, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, but uh, I thought they were clearly the best team in basketball that year. Yeah, that was a frustrating. That 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 that, that ranks very highly. And you got to remember, too, that you, you and I have talked about that one a fair so many guys at the apex of their path. It wasn't mm-hmm. like so, – but either, either way. Um, anyway. I – the one thing – there's a couple things that we're going to get to in this podcast. First and foremost, we've got to start with Antetokounmpo. I mean, that's one of the best finals well, it's fantastic performances performance. you'll ever see. And it got progressively better as it, as the games went along. And that's why I think if there was a Game 7, the Bucks would have won Game 7. Because be. they, they did the, – the Suns never – Antetokounmpo, whatever it was the Suns were doing, figured out that you can't guard me under any circumstances. What I think happened as the series progressed is that Milwaukee was able to get more physical – and that played to their advantage as opposed to the Suns who needed the finals to be more up and down and more finesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and although I will admit, uh, in the last podcast, your score prediction was almost spot on. You just had the teams flipped. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. But in the Milwaukee game, you, you know, in game six. I'm not going to pat myself on the yeah, back for that one. Yeah. was uh, absolutely, well, clearly remarkable, it's dumb to say. And since this is a locked on Wildcat podcast, and there's obviously We're gonna a lot work, that we can yeah, get let's in, go, hop in, hop in get into, into tonight, into where you're going. I have a feeling you and I may differ a little bit on DeAndre Ayton. Let's hear it. But my frustration is that I don't think Ayton clearly did not embrace the moment. And no, I think not 100%. And, and no, I think, no, no, no way. And, and, and he needs some serious character build as a result of the way that he wilted down the stretch in these games. And hopefully in the offseason, and as the years progress, he's obviously still very young and he's very talented, physically gifted. He needs to be significantly more mentally gifted and and and, and be a lot more. He was a non-factor 100%. In, and, game, in, in game six. And to me, yeah, you can pick a lot of different things. Uh, but 
the Antetokounmpo versus Aiton difference, which was reasonably close early in the series, mm-hmm. was a was was complete domination from game to game to game to game to game. It got, progressively, it got worse. progressively more separated, and that gave Milwaukee a huge advantage. Um, yes, I agree with all that. My only point that I would bicker or I would differ with a little bit is that. I think when you're dealing with big men, and again, I agree with everything you just said right there. So I'm when you're dealing with big men, especially young big men, I thought the one thing the Suns did a very poor job of all season was basically making him a garbage point guy, a pick and roll type, you know, just run the court play defense and, you know, get your garbage buckets. He's he's got way too many skills for that. But the problem that you risk, and I thought this was a possibility all season, is that when you have a big man like that. That, and now you need him to really, really step up, and you've had this passive, this this passive uh, uh, employment of his or deployment of his skills. I don't even know if that's the correct English. You leave a guy like that totally open then to being um, to losing his confidence because, and again, he definitely wilted, hundred percent. But a guy like that should be getting the ball once every three possessions down the court. And if you notice, like his confidence, it was almost, every time he touched the ball, he got nervous. Like he's he's fading away, he's avoiding contact. I just don't think they used him right. And I think that the while not expected, I wasn't totally surprised to see a young big like that who's not used to getting the ball and not used to being counted on Wilt. And my stretch. frustration, I think, in, is in the other direction is that there's organizational responsibility and personal responsibility. And I'm frustrated more with Aiton's personal responsibility, perhaps slightly more I'll than give you, you not, I'll give you a best example. By all means. Uh, the Suns had three games this year, three games in a row, where Aiton combined for nine field goal attempts. Well, that's you, absurd. That To me, that's on the organization more than it is on him. But, okay, late in, game, late in these situations... Screw the rest. If you're not a factor on the offensive end because of whatever's in your head mm-hmm. or because of whatever offense they're trying this, to run. What you're about taking, to say, I can't. Yeah. I, I, that's, I agree I mean, with right. I mean, I mean, that's on you. Mm-hmm. You've got to be good defensively. Mm-hmm. You can't be in bad positions defensively to allow referees to make you know what it is, questionable though? calls. And he was... He was regularly in the seemingly in the wrong spot. Shoulder was off a little bit. Wasn't squared up. Things that if you look at, let's be honest. Along with the NFL, officiating in the NBA is the most difficult game to do. It's just the athletic the the, the disparity in athleticism between what officials are and what players are makes it a very difficult game to officiate. This was. This this was a poorly officiated game, but I'm not going to say that's the reason Milwaukee won the series. No, oh, uh, definitely not. But if that's it, Aiton's got to do a better job of just being more aggressive and being in the right spot, and at least making it more difficult for referees you know to what, make bad calls. You know, you know what? The, yes, I agree with all that. You know what the biggest misnomer that I've always felt though in sports is when somebody says, "Well, you know what." Um, yes, he's, you're terrible on offense right now, but as long as you're great on defense, we'll keep you out there. It doesn't work like that. If you're terrible on offense, I can't have you out there, period. And I'll give you an example. Everybody talks about in 1997 with the U of A and, you know, obviously winning the national championship. Michael Dickerson played great defense in that final in that fa- uh, championship game against Ron Mercer. You know who wasn't out on the court in overtime? Michael Dickerson. 
because they couldn't have him out there. If you're not helping me offensively or if you are so scared and it's in your head, I don't know that I can have you out there in big spots no matter how good you are defensively. Well, then, what's what happened much earlier in the series is probably something that's way overlooked ultimately because folks are going to, like us, are going to focus on Aiton's poor performance and yet another frustration with Chris Paul and whatever other headlines are going to be. But maybe the key in this series was when Saric had the knee injury. It could be. Because they had they had the Suns. Yeah. The, the, yeah. One, the one area that the Suns didn't have, and we talked about this two or three podcasts ago, that one of the things that I didn't understand that the Bucks were doing, and I kind of expected them to do more, is to try to get Aiton into foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and, said that very early on. And, yeah. and the reason was because the Suns have nothing else after Aiton on the inside. Right. And, Frank and you, want, you want to talk about that being glaring uh, in Game 6. It obviously was there. Aiton was in a lot of foul trouble. He was already wilting under the pressure. That combination made it much more difficult to, for Phoenix to have any inside presence and made it a lot easier for Antetokounmpo to be able to have the successful performance that he ultimately did. And for, from a Suns fan frustration standpoint, you're going to be on, you're going to be watching that highlight and watching that performance for the rest of your life. The NBA, every time there's a finals, is going to focus on that performance and he abusing the Suns. Yeah. So, so, so you get to relive that mm-hmm. every damn year. And, 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 that's gonna, and, and you're going to love that. And, and it's going to be double frustrating because you're going to watch that series, you're going to watch that highlight, and you say, and you're think, how in the crap did the Suns blow a 2-0 lead in this series? You know, the one thing, though, the Suns, well, all everybody right now is going to be going on vacation. And the one thing that I think we can guarantee is that none of them will be using rockauto.com, even though they probably should. These guys are going to be flying, being bougie. But you know what? I could see a guy like Frank Kaminsky in his pickup saying, you know what? I'm going to Montana for the next three months. And you know what? If you're getting in your pickup and you're going to Montana... I'm not sure that you're not utilizing rockauto.com before you go, John Schuster. That's probably a very safe assessment. He probably has the email news blast newsletter going into frankkaminsky at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, it's uh, showing up right there and all of a sudden, hey, wow, I need that part. That's right. I need wipers because it rains, mm-hmm. you know, in weird times in Montana. Sure, I'm a, I'm a, I'm just a fun-loving boy from Wisconsin, but I'm sure I've got, you know, a seven-acre ranch in Wisconsin, or rather in Montana, so I've got to get up there and enjoy it. But to get to Montana, I'd better make the right preparations and to make the right car park preparations. Obviously, I'm smart enough because I've got a college degree from Wisconsin to go to rockauto.com. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke, with John Schuster. We might as well call host as well and host John Schuster. You're so kind. I am. All right. (laughs) Now, here's the other thing that I think we need to discuss, and I've never quite understood it, and I think this, to me, was the other bummer storyline outside of Aiton Wilting. There is something missing with Chris Paul. He is a very, very good player. He's a great player. He's a Hall of Fame, but there is something missing with Chris Paul. Now, you could say that that he gets injured a lot, but a guy did make a really good point. He says, how come Chris Paul, whenever, it's only Chris Paul that whenever he plays poorly, somebody just says he's injured then. Nobody was saying Chris Paul was injured in game one when he had 39 points or whatever the case may be. But how many times in this series alone did you see him do unforced dumb things down the stretch? Dribbling the ball out of bounds, uh, um, having the ball stolen from him, 
just getting too deep. There was too, way too many times, and uh, Jason Shearer, I, I think, made a good point. I don't think it's a lack of timidity, or, uh, timidity on Paul's part. I think it's him trying too hard. I think that Paul, in a weird way, wants it so badly that in the, in the waning moments of games, he messes up. And... I just gave a couple examples, but there's there's something missing there. And I'm just I and and you've watched a lot more of Paul on a consistent nightly basis, and you remember some of those series better than I do. But I feel like he is one of the ultimate bad luck guys, and I I believe we're going to find out within the next couple of days Paul's going to go under uh, under the knife for wrist surgery. I think he probably messed up a ligament or something on that left wrist in game two. I think it was game two, the one that the, that happened, which is part of the reason that he scored 39 points in game one and maybe messed up in that, that wrist in game two. And in classic NBA, you know, propaganda style, we're not going to talk about it. It's good enough to play. I'm going to try to play through it. But if you're a little bit banged up, maybe that works against you. Here's a guy who, honestly, he is at the center. If he doesn't blow a hammy, in the Houston series, mm-hmm. we're maybe not talking about Golden State being the last dynasty so in the NBA. The, so is he the ultimate, ultimate tough luck guy? Maybe you tell me, because yeah. I think this. I think you can. I think you can make that argument. Yeah. No. No. And I, 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 and, I agree so, with that. And so, and so that's the that's that's the tough part of this because, as you know, I one of the things that has frustrated me recently. In, in in watching the on-court play of the NBA is, frankly, the lack of clutch play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 it seems like I see a heck of a lot more series where teams miss at the end right. than are particularly impressive enough at the end, and this series had a lot of that, too. I feel like, the honestly, the only clutch player in the NBA is Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Go beyond that a little bit. And, and we talk... So I don't know where I think about Paul and... I tend to give people a lot of leeway if their bad luck and injuries work against them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, no, I, I just don't know. No, I got and, and And if you look at, I know he's the only player in the history of the NBA who's lost four series now where they've been up two games in, in, in first of four sequences. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that says a lot. But the Houston series, there was an injury. The Clippers series, there was an injury. I think he was injured in the Suns series, right, too. Chat. And I think that may Here, have... Here's, that, here's my rebuttal to that, then. By all means. In the Lakers series, when the Suns were down 2-1, everybody was saying, well, Chris Paul's shoulder's bothering him. He's obviously hurt. Then they go on and beat the Lakers, and then they uh, then they run through the Clippers or whoever the heck it was. Nuggets and yeah, then nuggets. Clippers. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rolled the sh- the nuggets. Yeah. The, the shoulder wasn't a problem then until when they well, started winning. Yeah. But if then, they then lose, it was a it's wrist a problem. Thing. Yeah. No, it was a wrist thing. No, the wrist thing no. is separate. No, 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 no. If you remember back to the Lakers series, mm-hmm. he hurt his shoulder. Right. And uh, and he played very poorly in the first couple games, and people were like, well, his shoulder's hurt. So we forgot about So So what, what you're saying is that – Chris Paul has a built-in excuse that when he plays poorly, it must be an injury thing. And maybe, and again, this is one of those curious, I, I just don't know. Yeah, no, there's just something, like I said, like when I look at him, he checks off pretty much every box from a, he, he appears to be a very good leader out there. He makes, generally he makes good decisions. He can score, he can defend, you can tell he wants to win. Um, there's not really a, any glaring hole where you look at him. He's smaller for sure, but you know that's probably the only glaring thing you look at and say, you know, I wish that he could do this better. But I don't know. There's just something, and I, and I believe that outside of him going to like, I believe his window's shut as an elite player because 
I think this was his last real go at it. I think he's going to have a body that's going to break down. Um, he's a smaller guy to begin with. Now, listen, maybe he goes to the Lakers or something. I think he's going to the Jazz. I think he's going to the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you something funny off air, if, uh, but uh, I'm not going to go there on the uh, Locked on Wildcats <laughs> podcast. But, uh, you know, just to summarize that. Can I discuss one more thing? Yeah, sure. Outside of Chris Paul. And, 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 and it focuses on clutchness in general. We live in an NBA society, a game with, with individuals who we view in terms of clutch. I bring up clutch all the time, as you're well aware. You're probably sick of me you talking up, about it. You it's bring like up a ball grip as well. I do, I do. But the one that's probably more annoying to you, you've got little tequila shots over here all the time. Oh, jeez. Shoes yeah. talking about clutch again. Gobble. All right, clutch. Gobble. Larry Bird. Clutch. Magic Johnson. Clutch. Kobe. Clutch. Joy. Oh, and you're hammered, you know, within seven minutes of the conversation. I right. completely understand that. I'm sure the listeners are playing this exact game. So be safe out there. Just get home safely or do that game at home. Be responsible. But clutchness works lower on down the line, too. And this is part of the issue that frustrates me, I think, in the modern NBA. There's no Robert Ory. There's no Mario Ellie. There's no... Uh, even Paxson or Kerr or somebody who's good, Ray Allen, there's nobody who's gonna, who's a secondary performer who's gonna hit a shot. How many, how many wide open threes did Crowder have in the fourth quarter? True. If Crowder is Robert Ory, are those shots gonna be missed? No. Right. He missed them. They're wide open. That's, that's the point of having a secondary guy. But I would argue wasn't that secondary guy Middleton? He was the guy that closed those games out. He was closed out multiple games. Yeah, he did. But Middleton's a bigger three. Middleton in Middleton is not Connaughton. Okay, right. Connaughton is more like Robert Ory. Right. You know, generally speaking, and Connaughton was crap in Game Six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he didn't want to touch the ball at all. He was he he was denting the backboard. Even his free throws were doing that. He wanted nothing to do with any of it. And I feel like there are those you know, guys. Connaughton was like five of six from three in Game Five. Yes, I know he was really good in Game Five, and 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 he was really but good in the series. But, isn't but that, when isn't... you've got to close the deal, mm-hmm. those are the guys who occasionally have to be there in possessions to get you close enough to do it. And I feel like that's something that may be lacking in the league as a whole. And I certainly didn't see but it in this you, series. When you talk about those guys, though, and Robert Ory was obviously a better player, but Steve Kerr and John Paxson are the epitome of like bit players. Oh, totally agree. They were the fit, always the fit. I, you, I, I, I guess I'll give it. You're talking about where are the Derek Fishers? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And and I don't know, but I want a guy who's making the money that he's making to be confident enough not just to take the shot, but confident enough to make it. And 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 as much as we focus on, understandably. Aiton's terrible performance, the uncertainty of Paul, Phoenix not being physical enough or not being mature enough in this sequence, a guy across from you scoring 50. There were some big possession opportunities where you've got a guy who's capable of hitting a three-pointer, having wide open step-in looks and couldn't knock him down. So nobody's going to remember that, but in two possession games like a lot of this series was, right. stuff like that can make a difference. 
think next episode we're going to talk a little bit about where the Suns go from here and about the uh, Mercurial Suns fan and if they actually stick around. But you know what? BetOnline.ag, if you wanted to bet on how many Suns fans there's going to be next year, they probably don't have that line, but that is the place that would have that line. For John Schuster, I'm Mike Luke.